Radio MD. It's time to Ask Dr. Mike. Do you have a question about your health? Dr. Mike can answer your questions. Just email Smith at RadioMD.com or call now, 877-711-5211. The lines are open. So my first question, uh, let's see here. Oh, okay, it's about mold. <laughs> how much is mold really linked to cancer? And how does a low-sugar diet help prevent cancer? So really we have a two-part cancer question here. So the first part is how does mold – is mold really linked to cancer? And so I think this um, – maybe five years ago, maybe a little longer – well, the research goes back well into the 60s and 70s, but it wasn't, it wasn't that long ago, maybe five years ago, that um, more and more oncologists and research doctors were really starting to look at cancer and the possibility that infectious agents, microbes, in, in certain settings can actually initiate cancer. And, and so, so and one of the top candidates for that was mold right the, some of the, the the mold species they produce these toxins uh, and then it's the toxin that gets into the cell that damages the DNA because you got and remember all all cancer re, regardless of what the ultimate cause of it all cancer is defined as mutations in the DNA see your your, your DNA is made up of genes right and so there are parts of your DNA that are purely there for for regulation and managing how often the cell can replicate the DNA and then eventually divide into two daughter cells, splitting the the DNA in half. That process is very regulated, highly regulated. And if if there's a mutation or damage to some of those regulating genes, some of those regulators, that whole process can can break down and the cell can begin to divide in an uncontrolled manner and that's basically cancer so you all cancer all cases of cancer basically can be traced back all the way to dna damage essentially mutations but the question becomes is why why what causes that though and and so when you look at infections bacteria bad yeast species in this case mold it it's not it's not necessarily the the mold itself and the fact that the mold is just growing inside you or that the bacteria is growing inside you it's the fact that these microbes produce toxins that then can get inside the cell and it's the toxin that damages the dna and can then cause a cell to become cancerous so that's the, kind of the theory and, and so a lot of research has, has been going on looking at these mycotoxins that's where that would be a mold-based poison basically and and you know, I think it's it's one of those situations where there's good evidence that that these toxins, and not just from mold, from other species too, but but you know these toxins can damage DNA, and that is a potential cause of cancer development. Um, but I don't, I, you know, I think we have to be careful. I, I'm all, I think maybe maybe sometimes I'm too careful. That might be true. You know, I don't know, but I I really like to lead, let the evidence lead me to my conclusions and 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 I have to admit that sometimes my conclusion is not perfect yet right because 
science is this is this phenomenon where we we observe things, we test things, we 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 gather up the results, we make conclusions, but it's constantly changing and evolving. You know, if you ever come across a scientist or a doctor who tells you, you know, this is absolute, this is exactly what's happening, that always worries me because that's not science, not how it works. You know, we don't discover, we don't, we don't, um, we don't invent things. Instead, we discover them as they're revealed to us in research. So, uh, at this point, I think that infectious agents and mycotoxins, these are things that we need to study more. You know, there have been small clinical trials where people were given antifungal and anti-mold and anti-yeast drugs, and, and they've done better. And it's not even just in cancers. You know, it's it's in, uh, you know, other things like Alzheimer's, for instance. They're, they're studying a bacteria that causes Lyme disease, spirochetes. They tend to, we just discovered recently that Alzheimer's patients have a bunch of spirochetes in their brain. So there's a lot of questions there, and there's, and there's, in the theory that, that, you know, harmful bacteria and harmful mold species, the theory that they can produce toxins and cause problems in our DNA and cause problems in our brain, cause problems in our heart, that all, that all makes sense to me. And, and I think it's well worth researching more. So how much is mold really linked to cancer? I think that the theory holds weight that mycotoxins could be an initiator of cancer and we should study that more. Now, the second part of this was, and does a low-sugar diet help prevent cancer? So I guess I have to give some background information to that because, okay, when a cell becomes cancerous, again, remember, that's damage to the DNA, right? So when a cell becomes cancerous and it starts to grow uncontrollably, an interesting thing happens. The cells, these cancerous cells that are being produced, right, being thrown out into your circulation, they tend to use sugar and sugar only to produce cell energy. It's called glycolysis. It's a, a, a normal healthy cell does use sugar as well, but they, an, a healthy cell brings in the sugar and undergoes many more reactions to produce a lot more ATP than a cancerous cell. A cancerous cell is dividing so much, it just wants real quick, short energy bursts. It doesn't really care about making lots of ATP cell energy. It just wants to make ATP quick. And, and so it brings in the sugar. It goes through this thing called glycolysis, um, which is kind of the beginning of normal cell energy production, but it kind of stops right there. And it just, and it just uses that ATP and it wants more sugar. So these, these cells just really rely on a lot of sugar to, to grow. So the thought is that if you, at least if you have cancer, if you totally eliminate that that easy source for cancer you could starve some of them and and it's not a treatment in and of itself it's the it's just simply if you're starving the cancer cell now you're making them more prone to the treatments that you're going to uh, undergo and i do think i think it's again this is a theory that holds water i think there's enough evidence that oncologists should be recommending low sugar if not you know no sugar diets as they go through their normal treatment regimens and i think outcomes would actually improve now, whether or not eliminating sugar can prevent cancer, that's a bigger question because so many things can initiate cancer. We just talked about infections, molds, right? But there's other things. There's other environmental toxins. There's even just genetics. I mean, there's family connections to cancer. So that's a to, – to say one 
lifestyle change, eliminating sugar, can prevent cancer. I can't say that because cancer is too complex. And the reason people develop cancer is multifactorial. Now, I personally think we should I, – I just did a segment on five things you could do right now to live better later, and I said no more sugar. I, I think that's a good suggestion for everybody, right? No more sugar. We're just – we're too sweet. <laughs> so we just – yeah, I, so I think that's just a good lifestyle suggestion for general health for everyone. And, and might it might it help a little bit in, in preventing cancer when we're doing other correct things like sleeping well and hydrating well and 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 eating good, fresh, organic food? Sure. I, I think it all plays a role in preventing cancer. Um, so I, I would actually say a low sugar diet is good for all of us. And it may it may help in a lot of different ways, including cancer. OK. Question number two. How long does a virus in my chest last? It's going on two weeks, and I still feel really bad. Yeah, so that's a classic viral syndrome, right? Um, it can it can last a long time, unfortunately. Uh, you, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's not uncommon for a a virus to hang around, especially in the respiratory system, for a couple of weeks, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. Especially the older you are, the longer it can last. Or if you have other chronic issues going on, they can last longer. And it really is because, ultimately, for two reasons. Um, it's it's one of the reasons viruses can last so long. It's not the virus, really. It's it's your body's response to it. And the, and the virus stimulates a certain response that causes a lot of inflammation. And that can damage the respiratory system that lasts. This is Healthy Talk on Radio MD. I'm Dr. Mike. Stay well. All right. <laughs> 